0: Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Today I'm going to be starting a new three-week series I'm going to start called Outrageous Faith outrageous faith for me when we hear about the word the term faith it's used a lot even if you're not a born-again Christian you hear people when we go on the streets people say to us a lot you know I have a faith and sometimes the atheists come and talk to me they say I don't believe in God I say oh, you've got a greater faith than I have then because I don't know how you you know you must have a lot of faith to not believe in the things we see around us. But faith is a term that's used a lot, and we use it saying, I've got a faith in this or a faith in that. But I want to open up this whole, uh, this, this three-week series, just to explore, for us all to explore, as a church together, what faith means. Because I think we can be a little bit blasé about it, about that term. The word of God says the righteous will live by faith. He says they will live by faith. Sometimes you might be thinking, well, I'm not sure I really live by faith. Do I really see, understand what that means? I have a faith in Jesus, but some people wear a cross, don't they? You see them at work, they say, I have a faith. And is it any much more than that? But I believe that faith is... Is something that you have to, James said it didn't he? he, says you have to put action with faith. You have to put an action with faith to see a result. And some of us sometimes might be living our Christian lives I believe. Operating on what we think is faith but really it's, it's probably not sometimes. Because we never apply the action. When I was a young boy my dad, I used to always love what, Lewis likes to watch me, but I used to love watching my dad do things around the house. And I, there's one thing I used to like watching him do. He used to always get out this, this glue, and it was called Araldite. I don't know if you know what that is. It's Araldite glue. It's a, it's a glue that at one time you'd have super glue, you'd squirt out of the bottle, you'd nearly stick your fingers together. But this glue was called Araldite, and dad used to always buy this. And what I loved about it was is that he had to squirt these two little bottles onto it. He'd get a piece of paper and he'd mix up these two things. Because one of them was a resin and one of them was a hardener. These two things mixed together would allow the glue to work. And he used to say this to me, Dad. I said, Dad, do you think he'd be putting this glue and I said, Dad, do you think it's going to be very strong? And he always used to say, when you put this on, it's stronger than it was before. So I used to think, well, well let's smash everything and put them back together again. But the amazing thing was is that if you put these two glues together on a sheet, you put these two things down and you didn't mix them, they would never solidify, they'd never do anything. These two separate substances wouldn't do anything on their own. But as soon as he got these little spatula and he mixed them together and it changed colour, all of a sudden it started and triggered this, this reaction between the chemicals in both of these two things to allow this glue to become glue. On its own, these two compounds weren't. It was like the scientists had separated the two major things in the lab and said, you put it together when you're ready to stick something. And I believe that faith is a little bit like that. That sometimes we have faith and action. We have these two compounds And God is sometimes looking at us as believers as to say, do you understand what faith really is? Because we can be just having one of the compounds but never putting action to it and never seeing the fruit of everything God wants us to see in our lives. What is faith? What do you think faith is? Hebrews 11 verse 1. It says this, now faith is confidence in what we hope for. And assurance of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. The people of the past. If you read Hebrews, it it lists people, one after the other, who were commended for their faith. The faith that they had. The reason why it commends them for their faith is because each one of them, there was an action with their faith. There was an action with it. We should remember that faith is, is not confidence and assurance in fantasy. It's a confidence and assurance of who God is in our lives. God gives us the gift of faith. You might say, I'm not sure if I've had this gift. Let me tell you this, when you get born again, when you see the gospel of Jesus Christ... You have been given a gift of faith by God to see the reality of the gospel. He gives you the ability. He says, I'm going to give my children, I'm going to give a gift of faith. It's not the same gift of faith. Sometimes it's mentioned where the, the, that we have the, the ability to have this faith, sometimes to operate in miracles. But he gives every single person a gift of faith to believe if you, it, for those he's called and chosen. I thank God that he gave me this gift of faith. But I want to talk today because I believe that faith, you might think, oh, it's just a simple term, but I believe that faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. It's the currency of the kingdom of God. I'm beginning to learn that more and more each day of my walk with God, particularly at the moment, that This very thing that's mentioned, that if it's mixed together with two action, with two things, it's the currency of the kingdom of God. We don't see, in faith it says you cannot see these things. So many of us want to see, don't we? We want to see things to believe. I was with someone just the other week and praying for them and someone got healed. And before they got healed, the person said to me, they said, I have to see to believe though. I've got to see this to believe it. Everyone seems to want to see. We all want to really see, don't we? Blessed are those who don't see but still believe. Faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. James 2 verse 18 says this, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. That's what it says, it's dead. In James 2 verse 14 to 17 it says, dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? In other words, you can talk the talk, but are you putting the action with your words? James says, in other words, you can be talking the talk. You can say all things and preach the greatest messages about faith. I could preach a message about faith today and preach a message about what it is to operate in the kingdom of God and faith. But if I'm not doing anything about it, what what use are my words? They're worth nothing. Hopefully they would encourage you to do something and to put action into it. Faith in action brings our faith alive. It brings our faith in God alive. Every one of us were given the gift of, to believe in Jesus. There it is, that trigger, that spark. You might say, yeah, I understand that. I, I I understand I wouldn't have been able to do this all on my own. There's people, I'm, when we go out and we meet people who've never known about God, they, I, it looks like how how on earth could they ever get to the point of believing? There's so many things in their life that have blinded them from seeing the truth. But it's amazing what the Spirit of God can do with a person to change their view. He can change years of baggage, should I say, of other things that they've accumulated to disguise God's truth, he can diminish it in seconds by his spirit, by the gift of faith. So it's a pretty powerful thing. But I want to encourage us that if the the righteous should live by faith, I want to encourage you today, let's all start living by faith and not by sight. Let's all start living as a church. If we want to get on the train of God's presence, it doesn't mean you just sit in first class and take the ride. It means we're going to have to actually get up and do something. But I'm telling you, church, I really believe that we're in an hour at the moment. We're seeing some amazing things. I keep saying it. But I want to encourage you, jump on the train. Jump on the train and you will see God's power at work in you. You need to put action with your faith. Part one today is this. I'm not even up to that yet. This is outrageous faith. This is the introduction. But part one today is this. Fueled by faith. To be fueled by faith. I believe that faith is so important and the ability to do things as a Christian that are unseen and to operate in this realm, the kingdom of heaven, using this currency. I believe it's the fuel for your life as a Christian. Yes, Jesus is our fuel, his Holy Spirit, but to activate it is faith. It's a fuel. Without it, we're dead. It should fuel our life. Without fuel, you can't move and you're stranded. You're stranded, aren't you? Without fuel, if you're in a car, you're stranded. A few years ago, well, it was quite a while ago, actually. Me and Emma, we used to go to Greece. And we used to get mopeds. And we'd ride around on mopeds everywhere. We'd, we'd arrive at the, I may have told you this before, but we arrive at the resort and the first thing you do is you go and see the reps the next day for this holiday and they tell you what you should and shouldn't do. And they'd say, one thing not to do is go and get a moped. They're very dangerous. Well, the first thing we did is, and it's not really good to say, but we went down to the moped shop and got a moped because they were cheap. We could get around Greece and all these different places. And I've never rode motorbikes before, but I used to just get these things. The helmets we wore, they looked like we were going to be shot out of cannons. Little stars on the side, I'm not sure that have protected us. But we used to get these mopeds. And one day I said to him, I said, we're going to go, right. I'm, I got the map out in Corfu and I said, we're going to ride. I'm going to take you all the way up to the top. We're going to come all the way down through the mountains on this thing. People got these things just to get from one little place to another. I wanted to go on full journeys with them. So there I was and we set off and we went to a place right at the northern tip. I was going through mountain areas, cruising through at you know, 45 mile an hour. The thing vibrating, we had snorkels stuck out of the front, towels. We used to put everything in it. And we went on this ride and it, we spent a day on the beach. Then we came back down and we, we, we'd we gone for miles. In fact, the guy who hired them up had said, listen, don't push it. Don't go too far on this thing. It's not built for long distance. I thought, well, we'll we'll push it to the maximum. On the way back, we'd spent all day cruising around through places there were no one around. Beautiful scenery. And I'll never forget this. We were cruising back down towards, all the way through this mountainous air. There was no one around. And all of a sudden, I'd been enjoying myself that much that the petrol gauge just went to zero. I just looked at the front and thought, oh no. Emma's on the back. I didn't tell her straight away. And at this moment when it went, it was starting to go. I could feel that there wasn't the power. And we were going, and I actually literally turned the engine off and started freewheeling. And then it stiffened up. I said, we're running out of petrol. And do you know what? I prayed to God. I said, "Lord, please, please get us some petrol. We're never going to get back." And the moment I prayed, do you know what? Within a few yards around the corner, I could not believe it. And I will tell you this: we saw the tiniest little metal BP sign, and he said, "Turn left." I went up, and there was a little old lady with one pump outside her house. I just saw, it and I thought, "You're an angel." We'll entertain angels. You must be one. You must be one. But we filled up. But I want to tell you, when the petrol, the fuel runs out, you can't go anywhere. And some of us today, I believe, can operate our Christian walk and our lives without the fuel of faith being activated. And really, it's just dead. I'm not even getting to our first scripture yet, but turn with me to Galatians 3, verse 11. Sorry, verse 1. Here's Paul's letter to the church in Galatia, right at the beginning, Galatians 3 verse 1. He starts off with a nice term, he says, you foolish Galatians. It's nice, isn't it? Nice opening to the letter, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It's nice. Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you've heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by the means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by the means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So I again I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you have heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. And announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham. The man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God. Because the righteous will live by faith. There it is. Here Paul is talking to the Galatian church and saying to them, he starts off with, who bewitched you? You foolish Galatians. Imagine if someone sent us, the leader of the AOG sent us a letter and the first line and I, and I read it out to you said, you foolish church. Who's bewitched you? We'd be a little bit shocked. But Paul had to write to the church in Galatia for a reason. He wrote to them because they were beginning to, something had changed their minds and perspective of how they should operate as Christians. They'd received Jesus, they'd had the gift of faith to receive him. All of a sudden through their journey, now he has to write a letter to tell them off. And he has to say, do you know that you are are trying to do your Christian walk, not by faith in what you've heard and believe, but now you're trying to do it by works. You're trying to fulfill your walk by works that you do. He says, who has bewitched you? Not what has bewitched you. Not what programs have you been watching. What's contaminated your mind and drawn you away from Christ. Not what's lured you away by some of the things you want to do and hobbies. No, he says, who has bewitched you? There's a person involved. To bewitched, it says this, I've wrote it down. It says, to place one under power by, if by magic and to cast a spell over them. And to ca- captivate them completely. In other words, it says that who has bewitched you, who has spoken into your life, who has come into your life and change your perspective that your Christian walk is not operated by faith, but is operated by what you can do to impress God. Do you know one of the key things is why I think people quickly get back onto this path of trying to do works by by this, it's because Right very back at the beginning we said faith is by doing things when we don't see. People want to see things. So what you want to do is you want to see the results of your works. Because you start adding them up and putting them together and putting your little trophy and monument together to say, look what I've done. We all want to do it, don't we? We, want, we all like trophies. We all like these things that we can we can prove what we're doing. But none of it is proof of our walk and relationship with Christ. Who has bewitched you, he said. I believe that people can change your perspective. Just be careful of your neighbor next to you. Because each one of us can change. It's so easy for the gospel to be contaminated. And your faith to be contaminated. Contaminated. What happens is this. Your eyes start to do this. They start to go to what I believe is false faith. It's a false faith. It's based on what you're doing. And let me remind you this morning. It's not about your works. It's not about what you can do. It's about him. Jesus Christ. What he did for you. The enemy wants to rob you of your faith. You see... I believe the enemy is key thing for us all. It's if he can rob your faith, he'll get you on most things. If he can take your faith away saying, look, you've not seen any results. You can't see God. He's invisible since when have you seen Jesus? People will mock us for our belief. They'll mock us because we don't see Jesus. They'll say, have you seen him? I've had that on the street. Have you seen Jesus? No, I've not seen him in the flesh. But I know that I know. And they think, what is he going on about? But it's the spirit of God, isn't it? That gives you that, that faith to believe. But some of us can get trapped into what I believe is a false faith. And our eyes, instead of looking in the heavenly realm that says, I can't see, but I'm going to operate with action. Even though I can't see, I'm going to have to start seeing things again. I need to start seeing some things of fruit of what I'm doing to prove my walk with God. Let me tell you today, you don't have to do anything to prove it. Not anything we can do. Develop makes our relationship stronger. It is as strong as it was the day we met him through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. False faith says this. We heard what faith said earlier. It's it's in a confidence in what we hope for. An assurance of what we don't see. But I believe false faith says this. We're confident in what we do have. And assured in what we can see. We're confident in what we do have and we're assured by what we can see. I believe that Paul here wanted to take them to the gospel opticians. He wanted to take them in and say, you need to come into the gospel opticians, guys. You need to come in and you need to have your eyes checked because what you're doing is you're focusing and looking on yourselves. And you're not operating in faith anymore. He said this. Before your eyes. Your very eyes. Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. In other words. They didn't didn't see the crucifixion. He said portrayed as crucified. He said in other words. We told you as eyewitnesses. We portrayed Christ crucified. Before your very eyes. You heard us tell the, 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 the accounts of what we saw. What the people saw of our saviour before your very eyes. But now, who has bewitched you to take your eyes off this and to look at what you're doing instead? And to focus on yourselves. You need to go to the gospel opticians and refocus back on Jesus Christ. Because he is the one. He is the one who gives you this faith and ability. 1 Timothy 1, 19 says, hold on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so have suffered the shipwreck with regard to their faith. I know I don't want to suffer a shipwreck on my faith, disregarding it and rejecting it. But I believe this, you need to be careful, we need to be careful. In church and some of your church friends, some of us say, well, it's sometimes, it's always going to be the people that are not Christians who are going to talk me out of, you know, out of faith and talk me back into religious ways or another way. But I believe that when Paul came, he was saying it's amongst you, people can contaminate you and to start to get you to think that it's about works. Let me tell you, your Christian friends, we're all brothers and sisters, Amen. But we can let each other down and we can talk. We can be the ones, we can be the ones who's bewitching. We can be the ones who are, who are messing up faith when Jesus wants to see us operate in blind faith. When we can't see things. But your friend next to you might say, I don't know if I want to operate in this. I, you, you know, you need to see things. You've got to see to believe. Just be careful, because I believe we can be robbed of our true faith by our friends, Christian friends sometimes. It's possible to be fooled by Christians. He says, who's fooled you? I want to say today, be fueled by faith, not fooled by your friends. A quote here on someone saying what it is to be fooled says, there are two ways to be fooled. One is to believe what isn't true. And the other is to refuse to believe what is true. It's so easy for you to be fooled into thinking these things. And to change your path. We think we're so protected. If I said to you today, would you love to be part of the Galatian church in the Bible now? And would you love to be there? You'd be saying, wow, yeah, come on. Letters from Paul. But he had to write this letter. How much do you think you're any safer in your church today than they were? None of us are safe from this. That's why we have to preach this. Because it's so easy that individuals here can not be focusing anymore on this faith. I want to ask you a question today. such an important question. And I don't want you to give me answers, but you can answer in your minds. But one day, you know, Jesus, is you're going to hear the sound of the trumpet and he's going to return. And let me tell you, I believe it's going to be soon. Because one day Jesus is going to return and come back for those who believe in him. Who believe in the gospel. Who believe in the fact that he was raised from the dead to cover your sins. He died for you. But let me tell you this, if you were today to die... If you were to stand in front of God, God Almighty was in front of you. And you were to stand there and he asked this one question. Why should I let you into heaven? Why should I let you in to heaven? Let me ask you, what would your answer be to him? You've got to think to give him a good answer. You want to make it sound right and you want to make it sound good to him. But what is it that you're going to respond? I want to ask you today, when I ask you that question, what comes to your mind straight away? What comes to your mind for some of us today? Yes, it might straight away be, yeah, Jesus, it's because of your son, Jesus, that you sent. He did everything for me, so that's why I can come in. But I want to tell you today, if for those split seconds you thought in your mind there was anything to do by what you've done on this earth that gave you access into the Father's heaven, let me ask you today, if you thought for a few seconds, I don't want to be in your place. Because the first answer we should have is not, well, look at what I did, all those things I did for you. Surely I've got a place. No, the answer should be this immediately. I have not done much, but I know that your Saviour died for me. The Saviour died for me. He died for me to let me have access. I'm not righteous in any way. I have faith in your Son. He's the only way I'm going to get through this gate. He's the only way I'm going to have access. Not by what I've done, Lord. And with a repentant heart saying to him, I haven't done anything, Lord, that could please you, but your Son did everything. And I believe in him. I want to ask you today. Only you know what did you think immediately. Because that is a test of where your Christianity is at in regard to faith. Do you think that you're doing it by works or by faith in the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Maybe today it changes your mind. Because I'll tell you, it's an amazing gift, isn't it? When we realise that that's all you have to say to him. We have to believe it as well. Hallelujah. Number two today is this. We need to go back to the start. Paul said, are you so foolish after beginning by the means of the spirit, are you now trying to finish by the means of the flesh? He says it again, he says, are you so foolish? You began with the spirit of God in you. You began with this gift of faith, this allowance to understand and believe and operate in the kingdom, in this currency. And now all of a sudden it's like you've ditched the currency. You've put that aside because now you're trying to finish with the flesh. Every one of us here wants to finish well, don't we? We want to finish our lives well. We don't have long, do we, on this earth? Just, it's a shock to see the young cricketer that lost his life. It's just such a tragic event. And we pray blessing on that family and peace upon them. It's such a tragedy to see things like that happen and it shows us the frailty of life. All of us want to finish well. We want to finish well. And he says here, it's it's like Paul's saying, you started this Christian walk and now you, you want to finish like with your trophies. You want to finish with everything you've achieved and done. By the means of the flesh and your works. But don't you understand, that's going to do nothing for you. Go back to the beginning where you got the spirit of God. That's all you need. His faith in you. Right to the very day you die. You don't need anything else. They began with the spirit. Some of us are trying to finish the race in our own efforts. We're trying to finish this whole Christian race in our own efforts. I want to tell you, go back to the start. Ephesians 2 verse 8 8 to 9 says, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it's a gift from God. Not by works so that no one can boast. You can't boast about your works to God. He's not going to give you access into heaven because of the boasting. The ability to believe comes from this gift of faith. Are you trying to finish your race? Are you trying to collect your trophies? I've only got one trophy, I think, in my life. I got one thing, and and years ago I I biked uh, 300 miles in three days from Edinburgh to Sheffield to raise money with my friends, and I've got this one trophy, and it's just sat in my shed gathering dust, and sometimes I look at it and think, that's the only trophy I've got. I used to see people when I was younger, they'd get tons of trophies, they'd have trophy cabinets, this this one trophy that's quite a cheap little thing as well, and Emma always says to me, every time we do a clear out, are you going to get rid of that thing? I'm saying, no, this is my trophy. 1995, 300 miles, three days. She's like, here we go again. But we all like, don't we, a trophy. I don't want to encourage you today. Don't let your walk with God be something you're trying to accumulate trophies by. Because they mean nothing to him. Yes, he will ask us what works we've done for the kingdom of God. But I'm talking about things we're trying to impress him with to try and achieve our salvation again. But it's about faith in him. We need to be fueled in our Christianity by faith. Constantly. Paul said, in this scripture we've read today, he said this. A sign of the faith in the church was miracles. didn't know if you picked that up. But he said, a sign of it was miracles. He says, did you think when you began with the Spirit... So, in other words, the church in Galatia was actually quite a good church to go to at one point, wasn't it? You would, you, you know, you'd go to church.com and it'd be right there at the top. Miracles occurring at church in Galatia. He says, Paul says, do you know that, do you think that these miracles, wow, what a word. Not just a few people got healed. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen it. When Jesus went around, he says, there wasn't much power uh, for miracles. He says, but there was enough power for me to lay hands on a few sick people. Think, wow, I'd love that. But if we want to see miracles just like the church in Galatia, we need to keep have the Spirit of God and be active in faith. He says, did you think that these miracles occurred by what you believed and heard or by your works? I hope that some of the miracles were still occurring at the time for them. I hope they'd not lost this ability to operate in the miracles. Maybe there were one or two in that church in Galatia who were still on fire for God saying, Yeah, i got faith. I've seen miracles. But maybe the majority were so dry and dead in their faith, he had to write to them. But I want to tell you, if we have a church of faith, if each one of us are full of faith and fueled by it, Each day operating with action. You're going to see miracles. You might say, oh we've heard this many times. You will see it. I've got no doubt. I have got no doubt in my God's ability to do miracles. I have got no doubt at all. I'm just waiting for it to happen now. It's inevitable. It's inevitable. But we need to have an operation of faith. Not living our lives as Christians trying to say, look at what we can do. Paul correlates the spirit, this life of faith. He correlates it with the spirit among them. He correlates it with the fact that they had faith and not by works. What's a miracle? I'll look this up. He says this, an effect or extraordinary event in the physical world that surpasses all known human or natural powers and is ascribed to a supernatural cause. That sounds pretty good. I don't know about you, but I'd like a bit of that. I'd love to see God doing some amazing miracles in this place. To see his power at work. We love people getting healed, but I'll tell you what, a miracle is different to a healing sometimes. He says there were healing and miracles. Miracle is beyond. It's something that we don't see naturally. It's an astounding event. An act of God that people could only say, this cannot be anything else. We need to see these miracles. If Paul said, did you think by starting with the Spirit and seeing these miracles? I want to encourage you, if you want to be a church of faith, you're going to see it. You'll see these miracles. But he said this, didn't he? He said, do you think it come by hearing and then believing? In other words, what did they hear? They heard the word of God. They heard the word of God. That's the thing that triggers faith. If you want to have more faith, then I want to encourage you today to get your dusty Bible off your shelf. Some people in here today are saying, I can't even remember the last time I picked it up. I can't remember the last time I dusted it. And when you do pick it up, your handprints there because there's that much dust. I can't remember the last time I looked. Hearing and reading the word of God is your ability to activate and fuel your faith. And you will start to operate in a completely different way. The word of God is like a double edged sword. It gives the ability, not my preaching, the Word of God will. All I can do is point you to the Word. All I can do is say, look at the Word of God. My preaching will not fire you up. It will point you to what the truth is, what the Bible says. And the Word of God is the thing that when they heard it and they read it, it does something inside. Let me tell you, it's not just a book on your shelf. You'll be probably getting books this Christmas that, You think I'm going to read that and I'm going to read this. I've got tons of books at home that I need to read. They can be great but there's nothing like the word of God. Romans 10, 17 says faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. Hallelujah, yes. Hearing that message of Christ will just instill that power in you to start operating in faith. And I want to encourage you today, if there's anything today, go and read your word and say, Spirit of God, make it alive in me, so that when I read it, I believe it. When I look and read the book of Acts that says that people got healed, and that miracles happened, and that they were on their way to church, and, and they see a man get healed, and he comes into the temple, I want this stuff I want what happened when they took him into the temple and he was leaping and praising God. I want this stuff. It is no different for you than them. It's no different. In fact, in the last days we should be seeing more. We should be seeing more. Faith comes by hearing the word. Hebrews 13, 7 says this, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. I want to tell you, I always said this, we should imitate people's faith. Look at how they work in faith. But listen to that. He says, remember your leaders, but most importantly, who spoke the word of God to you. Not remember your leaders, how good they were. Not remember your leaders how special they were and you imitate their life because if you do that then you're going to be able to have faith. No, it says consider them, remember them, but remember the word of God that they spoke to you. That is the key. The key is the word of God, not the leader. The key is the Bible and not the leader. I said to people every time I go on the street, I've got no power at all. When we go out, I've got nothing. Yes, I've got Jesus power in me, but it's him. He's him. We have nothing other than Jesus. Remember your leaders, but remember the word that they spoke to you, the word of God. Our faith, and I tell you, sometimes I see this. Our faith needs to be in God again. Real true faith. Real faith that you will see results with needs to be in God. Not churches, not leaders, not preachers. I hear so many people, they talk more about paperback books. They talk more about the next best preacher who's seen the miraculous than they talk about the Bible. They talk more about these things because they're captivated by it. But I want you to have it for yourself. I want you to see it for yourself because you can have it. We need to get, although these paperback books are great and all the people that tell us these things and encourage us, it's fantastic. But I want to tell you, don't look at these people and think they're the things that are keeping your faith going because your faith will be never impacted more than the Bible itself and the Word of God speaking through you. We love these books. They're inspired by people who are carrying the Spirit of God. But don't let them be the sole thing that activates your faith. You can look more at the preacher and the leader than God himself. I want you to turn in your Bibles just quickly to Acts 19. Acts 19. Acts 19 verse 13. It talks about the seven sons of Skeva the Words are up on the screen. He says "There's some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon possessed. They would say, in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, he says, Jesus I know and Paul I know about, but who are you? Who are you? In other words, the seven sons of Sceva and these people were looking at Paul. They were saying, Wow, look at Paul, look at what he's doing. I can't believe these miracles, the hanky cheese, the, the things he's doing, seeing people get healed. So they start to think, we want some of this. We want to follow in this faith. They said, in the name of Jesus, they got that bit right in the in the, the who Paul preaches, but they didn't have relationship. They didn't have their own faith activated. They were trying to look to a preacher. They were trying to look to someone else. And to operate in faith that they didn't have any relationship with God with. To have true faith, to be fueled by it in your life every day. You need relationship which comes from reading the word. And prayer. Hallelujah. We need to get back to the start. Come back to the beginning where it all began for you. Where the gift of faith was given to you about the cross of Christ. Revelation 2, 4 says this. The angel says to the church, I hold this against you. You've forsaken the love that you had at first. You've forsaken the love. Your first love, meaning Jesus. You've forsaken him. Number three, and finally i finish with this. I believe that faith, when we operate in true faith, when we get realigned back into faith and we get back to the start with God about where it all began and don't get contaminated, I believe it will fulfill your destiny. It will fulfill your destiny. When I put the word when I put this message together, I really felt the Lord speak to me and said, "Prophetica, there are people here today when you preach this message who feel like they they've lost their way in their destiny. What's that got to do with faith?" He says, "This we read earlier, uh, verse seven. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham." He says, Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. I think that's amazing. He announced the gospel to Abraham in advance. But he says this, all nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith, those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham. The man of faith. The man of faith. I want to tell you this, in Genesis 15, Abraham, he sees the vision, the promise of God to him. Thousands of years ago, a man named Abraham saw the promise as God spoke to him. He says this, he took him outside and he said, look up at the sky and count the stars if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. What an amazing time for him. If that's a prophetic vision, he saw it right there in the sky. He saw these stars. He saw as as far as his eye could see. He said, your offspring is going to be greater than what you can see in the sky. I don't know if you've ever explored the galaxies. You've ever explored and looked. I'm quite interested in this kind of stuff. But I'm amazed by how small our galaxy is compared to the vastness of where we are. I think that's enough in itself if someone really stood back and looked at it. When I chat to an atheist, if you show them that, it's enough in itself to say, do you think you must have some great faith to not believe in God when you see this? That one tiny little planet out of them all, with us on it, no one else seems to be anywhere else to the When we look out. But we're here on this planet, living our lives Do you think it's an accident that we're here? I said to people, no way. I asked people the question, I've said it probably many times here. I show them a Costa coffee cup and I say, do you think this has been designed by someone? They say, yes, surely it has. I said, well, if you think this has been designed, then how much more you? Your brain is more powerful than some of the computers on this earth, but yet you you find it easy to tell me that your Costa coffee cup was designed by someone, but you can't find it in yourself. To see it in you. You look up at the stars Abraham. Count them if you can. Here's the promise. Of a man of faith. He had this faith. God was showing him a vision of us. He was showing him a vision of you. And me. That's who that offspring was. If you've never known that or understood it before. That is who that offspring was. Every one of us sat here today who believe in Jesus are the result of that day or night when he looked up and he said, do you know, in the future, your offspring is going to be greater than you'll ever see. In fact, you can't see everything, Abraham. Do you know that each one of you today is one of those stars represented? As God said, it's going to be greater than this. That was the vision. We're part of this vision. And when we have faith, just like Abraham, we come into line with his faith, his blessing. We come into line with that blessing that was promised. A destiny. There was a destiny released right there to Abraham that said, As a man of faith, because you believe it's been credited to you as righteousness, Because you believe in me. But not only that Abraham. No you've not just been credited righteousness. But you have a destiny. Across all the gospel that's going to go through these, these next years and thousands of years. Despite anything that will happen. My promises will never fail. And what you see in this vision should it be. Is a representation of what will happen. Despite your troubles. Despite the troubles that will come. I want to say today, I believe this. I just felt the Lord said this to me today for this message. There are people today that you've had prophetic words over your destiny. You've had such a strong faith. You've had a faith to believe and you've been putting this faith in action. You've got this faith. You're looking straight ahead. But you're starting to get tired and weary. And all your prophetic words have been, all you ever see is the the, uh, sand grains and the stars. You don't see the full thing. You see, let me tell you, each one of us in here, we're not a star, are we? Abraham didn't see Bob or John or Jane. He didn't see these people. He saw a prophetic symbol. God used the stars to show him. And there are some people here today who've, who've been in line with this, this faith. They've said, I'm just, I'm running with it, Lord, but I'm getting tired and weary. And I thought I had this faith, but I'm starting to get tired because the prophetic words that come for me, they just show me stars, they just show me grains of sand. I don't know what my, is, have I got a destiny, Lord? Have I stepped out of this 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 line of faith? Am I really in line with what you have for me? We need to rely on what's unseen. Things we don't always see. And I think some of us today are holding on to our faith. We're doing so well, but we feel like giving up sometimes. You might have your Christian friends that tell you, you need to trust in your works. I believe sometimes your non-Christian friends, should I put it that way, people who don't believe in Jesus. I just really felt the Lord speak to that. There's some people here today, they feel like giving up on faith. They're not seeing the result of what they wanted to see. And they look sometimes and they observe the unrighteous. They see the lives of ones who don't have faith at all. And they question. You question sometimes. You look. You say, why is it that they're so blessed? Why is it that they have a life that seems to be that they have the things they have? I'm trying to run this race and operate in faith, trusting you. And I look at these people and why is it that they seem to be blessed? Happy lives. What am I getting for this faith? And you feel like giving up. You feel like throwing in the faith towel. Proverbs 23. Verse 17 to 19 says this. Do not let your heart envy sinners. But always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. There is surely a future hope for you and your hope will not be cut off. There's a hope and a promise. When you have faith and you come into the line with the faith that Abraham had, the man of faith, you will come into line with his promises. Maybe you've lost sight. Maybe you are running your race on an empty gauge and you find it difficult. Maybe you're not running on true faith in God anymore. And you need to fill up again. You need to fill up on his faith and be fueled again by this very simple thing to go back to the start where it all began. Amen. Let's stand. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today.